Hello there, my name is Karsten, and today we're back with another podcast episode. So a few things, just right off the bat to start. Uh, it's going to be a longer episode today because I got a few requests to just kind of, you know, talk for a while. Have a nice long podcast that you can listen to in your free time whenever you feel the need to listen in the background of me talking. Because, you know, obviously I'm your favorite to hear ever because I do have a, um, I'm just going to stop. <laughs> so, oh, that's loud. All right. I can't decide what's loud here. Hello. So, shoot, I just dropped my windscreen. So, today's episode is going to involve a lot of, like, research and stuff because it's this is something I'm very interested in. Like, this is genuinely an interesting thing. So, a little quick heads up before we start, just in case you don't want to listen to this. Uh, I'm going to be talking about, like, Mayans and mysteries and weird world unsolved mysteries. Um, And, yes, I am a firm believer, by the way, in, um, like, in other, other universal beings. Like, there is definitely life in, in space somewhere. And I'll explain that a little later. So, I just want to start by saying something. And I'm pretty sure this is just, I mean, this is just kind of like scientifically not, it's scientifically possible. It has to be scientifically proven. Like, scientifically guaranteed that there is life somewhere. Because of just the sheer amount of universes that are out there. Because we are just one. We are just the Milky Way galaxy in one universe. And there are just the amount, like, that's huge to us. Because even the Earth is big to us. But the Earth is a hundred billion times smaller than a speck in in the actual like galaxies and worlds and stuff but really the earth if that seems big then there's a solar system that also seems gigantic that's farther than we can ever get to there are places in the solar system like neptune or uranus or whatever that we we physically couldn't get to without you know it would take way too long like planets like that are so far out into the solar system that it, it would just take too long uh like thousands or hundreds of light years let me look it up right now how long would it take for an astronaut to get to neptune oh well it turns out it wouldn't actually take that long it would take 12 years um but that is a lot of years i mean just also it would kind of mess up a lot of stuff like if you're being in space for 12 years that's kind of just impossible because uh, i don't know if you've heard of this there's a guy called scott i don't know what his last name is but it's this whole famous thing i watched an episode on it somewhere i don't i don't know what it was uh but i watched it in science class this guy named scott who spent a year in space uh and it's like a documentary uh and it was really just to see like what would change he had a twin brother and they both tested their genes and stuff and a bunch of you know a bunch of random tests like blood tests and things and he spent a year year in space and he got down i think he was like slightly smaller maybe he was slightly older like things were weird and gravity messed him up for a year so being in space for 12 years actually 24 years because it takes you 12 years to get there and 12 years back it would almost be impossible uh getting home would be really hard it's dark it's it's free like there's once you get to neptune there's nothing you can do there i don't think it's physically possible to be on neptune because of the temperatures and things um and how, how we know this is the voyager 2 which i'm not exactly positive what the voyager 2 is but it it didn't have any humans in i don't think no i definitely didn't the voyager 2 is a space probe launched by nasa on august 20th of 1977 to study the outer planets and interstellar space beyond the sun's heliosphere so that launched in 1977 and well i mean it's been it came back on 1989 so it took 12 years wait no i I, hold on i can't exactly figure this out did it take six years to get to neptune and then six years back because when did the voyager 2 come back how how long Let let me see what that let me see what this says yep okay yeah, it's strained. No, not yet. They're each an hour long, so I'm like four episodes in. Yeah. All right. So it says, okay, I'm just going to read this to you guys. Voyager 2 traveled 12 years at an average velocity of 19 kilometers a second. Wow. 42,000 miles an hour. That in its own is mind-blowing. That's groundbreaking. Can you imagine that? Oh my God. To reach Neptune. Also, that's physically impossible. Just going at 42,000 miles per hour. Humans, obviously, obviously humans can't do that. Humans are struggling to go into a Bugatti Chiron at 300, 250, 230 miles per hour. 42,000 is so much more than that. We die within like 0.5 seconds. So even the fact that it would take 24 years, because I'm going to keep reading this, to reach Neptune, which is 30 times farther from the sun than Earth is. Wow. 30 times farther from the sun than Earth. That's crazy. Uh, It observed Neptune almost continuously from June to October in 1989. So it got there in 1989. So so it took 12 years to get there. And then that means it would have to take 12 years back. I'm assuming it just didn't come back. I don't think it's possible. Um, so, So yeah, but also the fact that it was going so fast. Humans, if we were in some sort of thing if there was let's just start with this if there's some way that humans could be in space for 24 years on end just like that it would even be it would actually much it would be much longer because if there was a way to do that like this isn't the movie interstellar we're not spinning at a massive speed to lose like to literally have gravity in space um you're gonna have to go at a speed that humans can physically handle um actually let me see how fast a human can physically go but uh you're gonna have to like handle an actual speed it's got to be something that you can actually survive in so if they went 42,000 miles per hour at a continuous speed to get to 
and Neptune, the Voyager 2, there's no shot we'd make it in 12 years. It would be like 50 years. Okay, I don't know if this helps, but uh, humans can go, let's see, it's not to be this problem, but acceleration and decoration. Okay, so uh, apparently, apparently, a human can go. The maximum survivable G-force is 16 grams. 16 Gs, not grams. What am I, what am I doing? 157 meters a second. Um, so let's see, hold on. Oh, and then 42,000 miles per hour is 111.7. Oh gosh, whoa, whoa, whoa. 11.7 miles per second. Um, and that's, I think that was meters per second. Yeah, no, no shot. No, no physical shot. A human could even endure that for the slightest of minutes. That's just impossible. So as I was saying, um, even Neptune is far for us. It's too far for us to physically go. The sun is far from us. It's 93.6 something million miles away. That's crazy. That's insane how far that is. But imagine that's just our solar system like there's we literally are in a milky way galaxy and there are are there other are there other solar systems in the milky way hold on okay listen to this in our galaxy the milky way galaxy scientists astronomers have discovered more than 3200 planets no stars with planets orbiting them so it could be even more planets now if they have life nobody knows it could be physically impossible um well i mean somewhere but like the chances could be so slim that it's just impossible but that's 32,000 stars. That's kind of like 30, I meant 3,200. That's kind of like 3,200 suns with that many solar systems, except ours is the only one officially called a solar system, uh, according to how many solar systems are in our galaxy, uh, published by NASA Space Explorer and Space. <laughs> NASA Science Space Place Explore Earth and Space. Check out the website. It's kind of sick. Um, so that's just, that's just our galaxy. How many galaxies are you asking? Are, are, are there, are you asking? Well, probably billions. Okay, <laughs> never mind. Did I really just say, did I really just say billion. Yeah, that's hilarious. Okay. One 2016 study estimated that the observable universe contains two trillion or two million million galaxies. And just keep at this. The solar system, not our solar system, sorry, space is rapidly expanding by the second. It's getting bigger every time you blink. Um, is it by much? Actually, yes. It's getting, it's getting very big. It is, it is expanding. It's almost infinite. Um, so that, that by itself is crazy. Two trillion, okay? Two trillion. And if our galaxy has only, um, whatever, a 3,200 stars with planets orbiting them, and there are two trillion more of those, like the Andromeda galaxy, which is like a thousand light years away, okay, then, then, then we're in for something. It's, I, I would say this. This is what I said. Uh, I'm just gonna give you some context. Oh, jeez. I had a cooking class with my friend Luke and Nate. Um, and if you don't know who they are, Nate is in my podcast, the Lunch Table podcast. We actually have a podcast with him and my other friend. Friend Colin. You can find it on YouTube if you search it up on YouTube. I posted it on here on my MLWD podcast, just as like bonus episodes. Uh, and then Luke was in the first episode. He talks sometimes. He's in the background. We You hear his voice in that episode. So I was uh, going to a cooking class with them. So sick. We made some German food. It was insane. Shout out to them. And shout out to Nate's dad because he is so chill and he brought us there. And I left my bag there because they took it from me in the beginning and said I couldn't have it with me. Uh, my diabetes bag. And I, you know, I could, I could technically say I need it. I'm a diabetic. No, it doesn't matter. I, I could just find it. I could just ask. But since we were doing it for three and a half hours and they took it from me at the very beginning, it's kind of hard to keep track of. So I felt really bad. We ended up going back though. We had this great conversation about Mayans and like the expandable universe and life out there and stuff like that. And aliens, I know it sounds crazy. And maybe aliens don't look like the hollow eyed, ovalish, pear head looking weird extraterrestrials. It, but it could be anything. I, I said this. I think, I think in my, in my heart, it is physically, it's less, it's okay. I got to figure out exactly how I worded this. It's more impossible that there isn't life somewhere than that there is because the just the the amount of like actual galaxies that's right galaxies and this our galaxy the milky way galaxy could have up to 3200 or maybe more stars with planets orbiting them kind of like solar systems so if we have a solar system where only one out of the um all, out of all the planets like you know all of them <laughs> actually can't i'm so bad at naming planets but i just know there's like a lot <laughs> it's like 12 or 9 or something this i'm i'm talking about such weird weird things but i can't even i really just said there was 12 there's eight planets in the solar system my bad um, um, <laughs> there used to be nine because of Pluto, but now Pluto is a dwarf planet. And there's a lot of other dwarf planets, I think, um, out there, just like kind of, you know, around. Uh, but there, it just, it's just, just thinking of that, there are just that many solar system type things around us. And there's two trillion more galaxies and galaxies is a huge measurement because they could have so, 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 so many solar systems in them that it's more impossible for there not to be life out there somewhere than it is. It's more possible that there is life than it isn't 
because of just how many there are. It's almost infinite. Uh, that's so many. Two trillion? That's incredible. And there could be more, because that's a 2016 study. What do we know, honestly? We're tiny. If you thought the solar system was big, absolutely not. Tiny. There, okay, if you search up neil.fun, uh, it's this awesome website. I mean, I go on it all the time. It just has these stupid little mini-games. Um, they're actually not stupid, but whoever made them is great. There's this thing called the size of space, and I'm scrolling through right now. If you use the right arrow, uh, you start at like an astronaut, then it gets bigger. The Hubble Space Telescope, Space Shuttle, Space Station, Saturn V Rocket, and then just an asteroid already like 500 times bigger than the rocket. Deimos, the moon of Mars, like already 100 times bigger than the galaxy, and then it just goes up so much. And the sun, you know, when you get like, I'm looking at like Mars right now, it looks gigantic compared to those rockets. You can't even, it's, you can't see the rocket anymore, which makes sense. Here's Sirius B, a white dwarf star. That looks giant already. Earth looks super big. Earth-like exoplanet called Kepler-22b, which in my opinion, I feel like that has life in its own because it's an Earth-like exoplanet. How else could you describe it for me to think that it has life? It's also bigger than Earth. It's kind of cool. Neptune, it's ice giant. That looks giant compared to Earth already. Saturn, the gas giant, looks giant compared to Neptune, and Neptune looks giant compared to Earth. Jupiter, gigantic. The sun now, it's showing me this whole thing. Here's the sun. You can see everything tiny. That small planet right there is literally Mars, and it looks tiny. It's a speck compared to the sun. And then you keep going when you get to, like, U-Y-S-C-U-T-I, this red super giant star, uh, and then you see the black hole that the, pic you know, the famous picture of the black hole, that thing, like, that's crazy. And that, that's the super giant star that is literally, like, a thousand times bigger than the sun. The sun looks like a speck compared to that. And that is just, that's just one. That's just a star. With the actual infinite amount of things out there, you don't know what could be there. And all these nebulas, huge, like the Crab Nebula, the Kepler Supernova, Tycho Supernova, Segway 2, Dwarf, uh, Spheroidal Galaxy, or Emission Nebula, Tarantula Nebula, Bernard's Galaxy, the Baird Irregular Galaxy, like, I, I mean, these, these are galaxies, the Fireworks Galaxy, these are galaxies we know of. Now, think of two trillion more. You literally can't. It's physically insane. So that's why I do think there's life out there. If they made contact with Earth, some people will say that's a stupid idea. Some people won't. I, I don't know. <laughs> there's no way of proving it, and there probably never will be. But just, there are just coincidences out there. I'm not saying I believe aliens came to Earth and gave the ancient civilizations a helping hand. And I am also not saying that they didn't, but I do want to just share some information with you that I find interesting. I think this is the perfect segue. I took 17 minutes to explain this to you. Uh, so now we're going to start. <laughs> So I want to talk about something. I have a social studies class. Uh, I just started seventh grade. It's actually a lot of fun. We get to switch a lot of classes. Uh, social studies is my fourth period class. And Leo is actually in my class with me. So he's on some of my podcast episodes if you look back in the past. Um, but I, I think it was one of the most interesting classes I've ever had. Because we were just like going through the actual original um, American civilizations. And not Christopher Columbus, but like Native Americans. Or the actual, actual, actual original American civilizations. Like the Incas, the Aztecs, and the Mayas. Uh, uh, and as Americans, we call them Mayans, but like actually it's called Mayas, apparently, or it's the Maya civilization. Um, but they lived, I'm pretty sure in Central America, they were the original Central America, like descendants. They kind of lived there, like, I don't know, so long ago. Let me look up the exact year. So this, wow, that's interesting. Okay. So they, the Mayans lived, I'm just going to read this to you, this paragraph. Uh, and to cite my evidence, it's where did the Mayans live by reference? It's a website called reference and it's literally by staff member last updated March 25th, 2020. Oh, that was a weird time for that to be updated. This is like right when COVID happened. I'm going to read this paragraph to you. The Mayans lived in the Yucatan, which is now New which is now Mexico. Evidence exists indicating that they also lived in Guatemala, El Salvador, Western Honduras, and Belize. Mayans existed between the years of 2600 BC and 1800 BC. However, the Mayan Empire was in full force between 250 AD and 900 AD. So, okay, all right. 2600 BC to 900 AD. That, that again, that, that in its own is physically insane, Um, because 900 AD was 1100 21 years ago, um, in 250 AD, when they were in, like, started being in full force, when they were so advanced, uh, is already, like, 1,700 years ago, um, and that may not seem insane to you, but trust me, it is, and it, they existed between the years of 2600 BC and 100 and 1800 BC, you understand that that's, like, 4,000 years ago, and the Earth has been around for, like, 4.5 billion years, um, no one knows, no one really knows, 
what like what happened probably nothing uh pangea existed when all the continents were together there was an ice age there was probably another ice age i think um i'm not exactly positive i'm not very uh taught about what life was like four billion years ago but all you do know is that about five thousand years ago the mayas started they started uh and i don't know if you know this but the maya civilization is so ridiculously advanced it scares me i'm gonna read this to you i'm gonna start with something stupid because i honestly i want to get to the big stuff a little later but let's start with this the mayas were chocolate eaters i'm not kidding i was doing research because in my span in my social studies class uh, she allowed us to pick the incas aztecs or mayas and do some research about them find some interesting facts write some notes down honestly i loved it but the mayas apparently were chocolate eaters we had to write a paragraph on it i didn't write that they were chocolate eaters i wrote that they were human sacrificial god ritualists and uh that they were incredibly advanced um but they were chocolate eaters now i i think this is the craziest thing ever again uh citing my sources this is called the history of chocolate uh, updated february 19 2021 also right before covid uh and the article is well it's, yeah it's called history of chocolate um on the website how stuff works um who wrote this i actually don't know but <laughs> whatever <laughs> But this is what shows up on the top of, of Google when you search up were the Maya's chocolate eaters. So I think this is the coolest thing ever. Oh, never mind. That was the completely wrong website. Um, that's a different thing. That is actually a cool website. Um, but this information that I, I actually had, I was looking at the other day is, uh, it's the article, the Maya civilization used chocolate as currency. Uh, it's on the website, this city knows, I think, um, if I'm reading that correctly, but it says the Mayas were, where the Mayans were famous chocolate eaters across history with evidence suggesting they were processing cacao as early as 2000 2600 years ago that is in bc that's like 400 bc they famously mixed cacao with ingredients such as honey and chili peppers we do that today we still do that we still put peppers i had a chili pepper uh chocolate piece once i had a raspberry chocolate piece once it was great but people still do that today with water and cornmeal consume the hot boiling substance over rituals and festivities okay these guys were such weird ritualists too they had the weirdest things they really believed in gods i believe they're polytheistic which means they believed in multiple gods but just listen in this they were processing cacao again 2600 years ago incredible they mixed cacao with ingredients such as honey and chili peppers so we still do that we still do that isn't that ins we still mix cacao like that how did how did they do that how did they figure something like that out that many years ago that's insane and we actually took the present day word chocolate from the mayan word i'm gonna butcher this it starts with an x xolotl 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 yeah sure whatever and it means bitter water so i guess it did taste bitter um and a According to this website, Coxlockful, um, the Mayan food of the gods by History Daily, the Mayans did not cultivate sugar cane, um, so they had no means of sweetening the bitter cacao. It's, oh, interesting. Okay, so I guess they it wasn't sweet. Probably tasted horrible, but I'm pretty sure we got it from them, which is interesting to me. Now, that's, again, the stupid thing that I was going to start with, but that's clearly not stupid, and there's clearly way more, um, which, again, is insane to me. I don't understand this. How were they so advanced? They started in literally, like, 500 BC or 2000 BC. Never mind. Um, that's insane. Let me read. I'm going I'm to read my paragraph to you guys that I wrote. The Maya civilization were an intriguing original American people with interesting culture and traditions. The Maya were very advanced and invented astronomy concepts still used today. I'm going to get to that next. For example, they invented one of the most accurate calendar systems of 365.25 days that shaped the calendar we use today. They had a fascination with cycles and further developed the concept of their calendar by looking at the cycle of stars and the sun. They had also they also had religious fascinations with human sacrifice to the gods. They engaged in these rituals for protection and security of their civilization as well as a reward to the gods above the minds were a very unique yet strange civilization that is still a mystery waiting for answers that about sums up what i'm talking about today but now i want to go into details about this stuff and i want to start with the human sacrifices because these guys were so weird with it um uh, that it is weird <laughs> let's see mayan sacrifices i'm going to look at some articles and we're going to do some research together let's start with this www.science.org that might be the most broad article name i've ever heard feeding the gods hundreds of skulls reveal massive scale of human sacrifice in as oh, what I looked up Mayans, not Aztec. Are you crazy? Well, we'll look for another one. All right. Human sacrifice in Maya culture posted on February 23rd, 2017 by Cindy Chang. And it's on the website Anthropology anthropological perspectives on death. Oh, okay. All right. So we're going to read this. Uh, human sacrifices were pretty common in Maya culture. Maya civilization covered a large area of land, which included southeastern Mexico and northern Central America. Right. We knew that. Um, I, I, I think this is, I'm pretty sure like people, the, like Incas, Aztecs, and Mayas, they kind of saw gods as things they didn't understand. Things that were unexplainable to them, like phenom 
natural phenomena, uh, kind of like the sun or rain. They didn't know where that came from, so they had a god for all of them. I mean, just imagine, this is what my social studies teacher said. I'm quoting my social studies teacher uh, as of a few days ago. Imagine being just outside and, and just in experiencing wind for the first time ever, just uh, flowing at your face, and you're just like, it's just like, at you. Imagine being terrified of that, because I think I would be uh, if people didn't know what it was and we were that early on in life, like 2000 BC, uh, and you experienced wind or rain. No one would know why water was dripping from the sky. No one would know why giant white puffy things were in the blue sky. No one would know why bright white lights were in the dark sky. These are just things. They just, they thought gods did that. The sun, huge, giant, fiery, yellow thing that heats up our world, people would think was a god. Um, okay, so, yeah, apparently the most common ways were, um, decapitation and heart removal. <laughs> that's horrible. Um, yes, this is really horrible. And there's a famous drawing that they made. It kind of looks like they're holding an apple. It is a heart. Uh, and I believe they had, they actually had systems of class. Like they had, they had social classes. Um, and the highest were royal, royals, obviously like the kings, the whatever. Next were clergy, clergies, clergy, cler like the priests and religious people. Uh, and then the middle class kind of like artisans, uh, peasants. I hate that word so much, but like just the people that were less fortunate at, at their time. Because there were a lot of people like that. Uh, they were in the lower class section, and then there were slaves, very unfortunately. Don't know why that happened. Very horrible, um, but they didn't really know better, and that's what they did, and usually the sacrifices were lower class people, very unfortunately. Um, now, my question is, did they actually, like, I know this is stupid, I know it's death in all, but for how religious I know the Mayans were, do you think that some of them, like, actually accepted and, like, volunteered? Because I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere, and that, that's weird to me. That's very weird to me. Yeah, so a lot of these sacrifices were like depicted in Maya artwork, but they were so weird and oh god, it was rough. Like I I don't know why. I don't know why they did this or or like I guess the gods were just so important to them for giving them weird natural phenomena like the sun. Um but it just confuses me how 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 they thought of that, how they thought that was a good idea. Oh, let's sacrifice humans to the world. Maybe that's a good idea. Let's let's volunteer uh to basically murder um humans at the top of a tower. Now, this is gonna bring me into the other part where they advanced. Um, they're weird, mysterious things that they did, uh, and very advanced astronomy, but that's later. So to start, they were just incredible at building. Like, their skills were impeccable. And these giant brick... Okay, so let me start. I want you to look up something for me. If you're listening to this podcast, go on Google and look up the Mayan temples. I'll do it with you. Mayan temples. Okay, Mayan temples. So if you look at these things, they're like very intricate kind of works of art that are mysteriously in very good condition. Um, And it, it's weird how how good in condition they are, but like, they, they look great. <laughs> um, but the pieces like these bricks and these stone that they built these temples with were so heavy. I don't think you understand. They were multiple tons heavy and they physically only had humans to do that. You know what else is interesting? If you look very closely, um, is there anything you notice about these? There's a picture here I'm looking at. They are so cleanly cut. It doesn't even look like they were built a thousand or a hundred or nine hundred years ago. They are perfectly clean cut, like so clean cut. It's honestly amazing. It's a little concerning, confusing a little bit. It's kind of mysterious. Um, but they, what they did is they were able to cut these bricks and the sides and the slopes of these temples so cleanly that it was literally better than machines can do today. And the fact that they did that with a chisel confuses me ultimately. Um, but just looking at these things, they're so, so nice. Way too nice. They look great. Um, these is just the advanced technology that they had to be able to make this is very amazing to me how physically advanced they were. I'm gonna look up some, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look up some more things that I can share with you, but I, I want to talk about some of my background knowledge. Something else they did, uh, on the topic of building, there's this giant town. Um, ooh, that hurt. It's like a very long run, very long straight of many of these temples. They had so many of these. I believe this is where the human sacrifices occurred. As you can see at the top, there's like a courtyard thing. Uh, and I know this is very weird and brutal, a little bit gory, but I'm gonna say it if you don't want to listen to it. I'm pretty sure, this is what my social studies teacher told me, told me, um, these slopes on the side of these temples was when they sacrificed them for the blood to run down for the gods, and it would basically collect at the bottom, which is uh, very weird to me, uh, and a little scary. And they also had these giant snake heads at the bottom and there's a whole thing about snake gods which i'm gonna look up now actually so I, I i'm confused with it too the snake gods um but they were i think they had a fascination with snakes and a lot of their art showed snakes their temples at the bottom had snakes a lot of their buildings had pictures of what they thought were snakes uh and a lot of their hieroglyphics and symbols that we still I, I, we still can't translate to this day for some reason also had snakes in them so the snake 
gods were just something. I think it would probably just, uh, probably like one of those dynasties of, of gods that they just like, I don't know. Oh, let's see. This, yeah, snake, snake worship is just kind of a general thing. So here on Wikipedia it says the cobra was not only associated with the sun god Ra, but also many other deities such as, oh god, there's no way I can pronounce any of this. Uh, serpents could also be evil and harmful, such as the case of Apep Strange. Um, but I don't know why. They just had a fascination with snakes. That's all I know. I just wanted to look that up. It's a little interesting to me too. And also talking about hieroglyphs, hi- well, not, it's not actually hieroglyphs. I'm just using the, the Egyptian term for them. It's really just their symbols they use for communication because they had a very advanced way of doing that too. Um, but yeah, they're not, they're not hieroglyphics because only the Egyptian symbols were hieroglyphics, not everything, uh, which I should have known and should have said, but it's fine. So these symbols were also con- like very advanced because they, we still haven't translated them, which is one thing. Um, but they were very also cleanly cut. They were like on these plaques, kind of like the prehistoric things people did, like the Mesopotamians or whatever. Um, but I, I think that's amazing. I, how, 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 how crazy those hieroglyphs were. Dang it. I keep saying that. Um, but if you look it up, if you do some research, um, their communication was pretty amazing. Let me look that up right now. Oh, maybe it is actually hieroglyphics. In Mayan hieroglyphics, they use symbols also called glyphs to represent words, sounds, or objects by putting several glyphs together. Uh, the Maya wrote sentences and told stories. Only the wealthy Maya became priests and learned how to read and write. Okay, yeah, so it's kind of like, uh, dang, I can't think of this. This was in like third grade I learned about this, but they wrote on long sheets of paper made from bark or leather. Oh, interesting. And that is on Duxters, which again, I love this website so much, and it's called Maya Civilization Writing Numbers and Calendar. Oh, calendar, you say? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the calendar because it's physically amazing to me. Um, actually, wait, no, I think I was gonna say something else. Yeah, no, it's the Mayan temples, right? They were building so, so well, like very scarily well. Um, that I, you know, people will say, I don't know, aliens came out, maybe use some supernatural lasers to cut it. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. If you think that, respect, because honestly, I don't know. I physically can't. I don't know. Yeah, so, okay, I'm gonna read this also on Duxters. Uh, the Maya had two kinds of calendars, a religious calendar called the Tiolkin and a solar calendar called the Hob. Wait, actually, no. Tiolkin might be the one we're going off. Every 52 years, the two calendars would start on the same day. They would celebrate the new fire festival on this day, El Fuego Nuevo. All fire, all the fire throughout their households and would be put out and they would throw away all their clay utensils. It was a time for renewal and new beginnings. Hmm, kind of sounds like New Year's Eve. Uh, all right, I just want to talk about the religious calendar, the Tiolkin. Oh, wait, no. Wait, what? Oh, never mind. The solar calendar, which obviously the solar calendar, uh, or Hob had 18 months of 20 days each. There were five extra unlucky days on the 19th month to get a total of 365.25 days in a year. They numbered the days in uh, in the month from 0 to 19. Here are less than 19 Maya months in the Hob calendar. I'm going to read these if I, the best I can. First one, pop, whoa, sip, sots, xiol, I'm reading, like, these are in order. Yaksen, mole, chen, yaks, sak, ke, makankin, sek. Kind of, it kind of looks like, like, Hawaiian words. Muan, pax, kayab, kamuku, wayab. That's the month with five unlucky days. Okay, so that's the 19 months. Now, if anything in what I just read to you sound familiar, not the months, but before that, 365.25 days in a year? Mmm, we may use that. I don't know. We certainly don't have 19 months, but we do have 12. January, February, March, and April, May, June, July, August, and September, October, November, December. These are the months of the year. Great. Uh, we have 12 months, not 19. But we do indeed have 365.25 days in a year. And the Mayas, they figured that out. Don't you think that's a little insane for a civilization that lasted, I don't know, 2,000 years? Maybe. Maybe that's a little insane. Um, But we still use that, calen- that calendar system, kind of. We don't exactly use those 19 months, but we do use those 365 days. That That is amazing. That's actually so cool. Um, And you, you want to know what's even more interesting. My social studies teacher, she said this too. Basically, they did this just by looking at the stars. Did they have telescopes? No, they did not. They did not have telescopes. They literally just looked with their eyes, with the human eye, same sight you have right now, staring at the sky and being like, oh, look at those stars. And then the next day, they look at them like, oh, those stars look like they changed. They had a fascination with cycles. I, I read this. I, I had this in my paragraph. Let me read that exact sentence. They had a fascination with cycles and further developed the concept of their calendar by looking at the cycle of the stars and the sun. That is true. They had a very much fascination with cycles of nature, cycles with the sky and all that stuff and clouds or whatever, probably. I'm not actually positive about that, whatever. Um, But they would look at the sun, they'd look at the moon, they'd figure out how things worked, and they literally built a system of this just by looking at it, just by staring at the sky. They figured out that the sun had a cycle and it would move and it would change, and the stars had a cycle, and for that, they made a solar calendar, which is amazing to me. Um, And right here, we're gonna take a break because my throat hurts so bad, and we're about halfway done. Break. 
Alright, it's been about five minutes and I'm back. I hope you enjoyed that little sponsorship break from our sponsor, Anchor. You should totally check it out if you want to start a podcast. It's literally as easy as that. Um, It's just, it's incredible. I love Anchor. I started this podcast off of Anchor, so I have an actual, I love it like so much. It's great. Um, So I, I want to address something. Real fast, those last 37 minutes of this podcast, there was a really annoying clicking sound probably about 100 times. Um, Every time it clipped, every time it got a little too loud, it made a stupid clicking sound and it really bothered me. Um, and I'm so sorry. Uh, I turned the volume down. It was apparently too loud. I feel really bad. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It got so loud. Um, so it just, I guess, tried to ignore it. If you, if you, if you've been, oh my gosh, if you've been at home, like, oh my God, Karsten, figure it out. I, I feel you. I'm sorry. And it probably just happened right there because I got pretty loud. So I'll, I'll, I'll quiet down a little. So to get me back in the mood of this very deep thoughts, I'm going to play Mary Had a Little Lamb on record. Ready for this? I literally relearned it for this moment. <laughs> What did you think? <laughs> okay, so I just listened over that. With that, even with that clip, the same thing happened. So if this is happening, I'm I feel so bad. I'm not even kidding. It's severely bothering me. Um, please don't turn away though. I feel like this is such a quality episode. I just, of course, that had to happen. So uh, this is going to be a test right now. I'm just, I'm speaking right now. I'm just going to say hello there. My name is Karsten, and today I'm going to be talking about weird mysteries, and we're going to see if that did that clicking sound. So I'm going to listen to that right over, and then we'll get back to the jazz. Okay, so I think it worked. I plugged out my microphone, plugged it back in. That's very good news. So in celebration, Mary had a little limb one more time. Then we'll get back to us. I mean, this is a long episode. This is, we have time for this type of thing. Ready? Oh, weird. Dang it. Try one more time. Wait. Something's going on with that. <laughs> uh, it's okay, though. I'm going to just not do it anymore. So, back to what we're talking about. Uh, it got me in the mood again. So, we were talking about mind stuff, I think. Um, which, again, I think is actually crazy. Just the calendar system and the things that they made were so advanced that, like, it's crazy. I mean, I just don't understand that type of thing. I don't understand how that happens. Because they were literally an ancient civilization. Where did they get that thing, that that type of knowledge from? Like, how, how, did, how did they learn that? Because did they have contact with other civilizations? Did they have contact with... Oh, I don't know. Aliens? I don't know. So that is the unsolved mystery of the world. But we're going to keep going. There's something else I want to talk about. Building walls. That was my beautiful vocal transition into this very short segment I want to talk about about the Mayans because this is something also very interesting we learned in social studies. My social studies teacher was showing us a slideshow of some pictures to put an image in our heads about the Aztecs, the Incas, and the Mayans, which are my fo- are my favorite out of the three. I'm sorry, Incas and, and Aztecs. I severely apologize. Please, 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 please forgive me. Um, but the Mayans built these gigantic artwork walls, basically. Um, and I, I, I kind of want to look this up, and you should too, because it's going to be very confusing if you don't. So if you want a reference of this, let me see what to search a Mayan wall art. Yeah, okay. Probably, you know, no, wait, no, that just shirts up like hieroglyph things. Mayan uh, an- animal art wall animal sculptures from... Found it. Okay, so this is what it's called. I'm going to cut that all out because I just spoiled it, but it's called Nazca Lines. So N-A-Z-C-A Lines. Nazca Lines. Uh, and I think this might might be the like the most interesting thing ever um obviously as you're seeing this they're crazy right this is so sick looking just a bunch uh it's basically very cool pictures of animals and things and symbols um that are gigantic can only be seen from above like you can see them from above you can see them from in a plane built out of walls so it's like little mini walls that they're that they built um to build to make these giant animal things there's one called like kind of looks like a spider um and i think it's really cool <laughs> i think that's my favorite one it's a spider um but i want to talk about an interesting this actually is if you think about it because these lines it's something interesting is that these animals were not native to where the Ma- the Mayans lived and they had a giant piece of land don't get me wrong but my social studies teacher was saying that some of the animals they they drew like these types of spiders or these big weird like I don't know elephants or something these those were not native like where they lived they lived in the middle of the desert in Central America like those only some of those animals were found in continents over like Africa or something it's crazy because I don't know where did they figure out pictures of of animals like that 
did aliens do it? But I think the most interesting thing, um, well, let me just clear this up first. The Mayans couldn't fly, right? We know that. The Mayans didn't have planes. I mean, this was something BC. Like, they couldn't fly, all right? They didn't, unless there was flying saucers. They did not have airplanes, helicopters, wingsuits, jetpacks. They didn't. Unless they did. I don't know. Maybe they did. But as we know right now, they didn't. Uh, Then again, we don't really know much about them. So I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say that they didn't have uh, these these jetpacks and such as flying things. I don't know what I'm saying. But what's interesting is the only way you can see these pictures of the animals is from the sky. Only way you can see the pictures of the animals is in the sky. The only way you can see the final result is by flying over it. Did they have flying things? Unless there was flying saucers, they didn't. So how they do that? And how is it so even? It's honestly scary how great they look. They're so good. They like literally are perfect. They're straight and they're like very straight lines that are actually amazing uh, and like curved and it's 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 really cool, right? It's amazing. So how did they do that? Now, uh, shout out again to my, my friend Nate's dad and this car that we were having a conversation with. He said he thought it was kind of map work, kind of like that. Um, Maybe it was like signaling something. Maybe there were symbols to like direct something to show something for the flying saucers above or it was just like they use maps to make it. I think both of those things are honestly kind of sensible. They kind of make sense. Um, Now, another thing with flying saucers and 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 these Aztec things. I meant Mayan people. I touched upon this before, but I never finished what I was going to say. Um, If you recall me saying it was something about a large straight, like a large narrow road kind of thing with a bunch of these Mayan temples. That's where I started talking about Mayan temples. Um, But we looked up the Mayan temples and saw what they were. But it's like there was a lot of them. They were in like circles. It was a cool like courtyard thing. But all in all, it was one large straight road. Now, hmm, what does a large straight road, kind of like a road, a long straight rectangle. What do you think that is? Hmm? What do you think that is? Did you say a runway? Because if you did, that's what I think. How did they have a runway if they didn't have planes? <gasps> Flying saucers, alien ships, UFOs. I-, I think that's what that was for, honestly. Also, I'm looking at these Nazca lines again, and there's one of a monkey, and I doubt that there was monkeys where they were. Um, And also, I was watching a documentary, and someone, a really interesting thing somebody said is that the Mayan ruins right now, which you can go visit them, and they're actually pretty good intact. Um, they have, they're overgrown with the forest, which means that the forest wasn't really there when they built some of that stuff, or most of it wasn't. Uh, so where were the monkeys? But like the forest kind of overgrew as the forest around the ruins. So like it was that long ago that they made such intricate things, uh, and also monkeys. So that leaves me with more questions than I started with. Uh, so that's about the Mayans. That's, that's the Mayans for you guys. Uh, the interesting Mayans, which again, I think are so cool and I love to research them. Uh, last Friday, last Friday night. Oh wait, no, that was yesterday. Thursday. Last Thursday night, I know you're feeling kind of brave. Drop the pick and no, 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 no. I just confused like five different things. So on Thursday, I was up to like one um, because I couldn't stop researching mines until like 1130 and I couldn't sleep, but it's cool. It's fine. So that's the mines. I think they're great. I think they're very interesting and very mysterious. And I don't think that we'll ever get answers, which kind of makes me uncertain and a little unsettled, but you know what? Who cares? Whatever. It's fine. So yeah, a little sad about that, but who cares? Uh, <laughs> we can, we can, we don't need answers. We can just keep going on and thinking and wondering because that's what science and life and thoughts is all about. The meaning of life is relative. Everybody has a different meaning of life. Um, that is very deep. And that kind of brings me to the next segment, which not, we're going to talk about more things, but not exactly yet. So the next segment is deep thoughts. Yeah, you heard me. Deep thoughts. We're going to talk about some deep thoughts because it's just a really stupid quick segment uh, to add more time. But I do have some files from a long time ago of deep thoughts. So we're going to, we're going to do, we're going to, we're going to insert those in and here's some deep thoughts from Karsten. Why do we drive on a parkway, but park in a driveway. I mean, who decided upon the fact that they wouldn't call the parkway the driveway? And then you park in your parkway. What? Your own personal parkway? Um, exiting to the driveway. It's so much easier. If you were to take just a regular cherry ice pop, melt it and freeze it and melt it and freeze it and do that process 10 times, would it taste exactly the same as it did the first time? When someone gets angry at you for producing content with your best version of yourself, they shouldn't be because it's still a version of yourself. So it's still a part of you. It's not anything you're making up. I'm a strong believer you can take any sentence in the entire world and say it again with a little more of a sad undertone, using some more dramatic words, and it will turn out so much differently you don't even understand. For example, hey Charles, you better clean up that old room of yours before it gets pretty dirty like it once was. Versus my dearest young boy, you have to go back and clean that old bedroom of yours before it turns back to the trash heap that it once was so long ago. Do you want that? Do you want it to go back to what it once was? Do you, Charles? Now, I don't know about you, but on a normal Tuesday, if my mom said that to me, I'd be like, yes, 
us, Mom, without any hesitation and go upstairs and do it immediately. I, I, I don't know about I don't know about you. Do you know how we always use the term Little Timmy as in Little Timmy took a tumble? Little Timmy implies that there is existence of Big Timmy. That scares me. Same goes for Minnie Mouse. Minnie Mouse implies the existence of Mega Mouse. That scares me. And same goes for FNAF Baby, the character Baby. You know, I'd love to see a sequel where they add teen, tween, young adult, and adult. That scares me. So on the topic of implying the existence of other things because of other things, Top Golf exists. Does that mean there was Bottom Golf? And what if Bottom Golf was just a giant hole dug out in the ground and there was like a basement level and you would hit upwards onto the green? That would be kind of cool. I want to bring you something called Let's Take Some Sports Names Literally. Starting with football. Football, that would be like an actual foot being the ball. And you know, you know, like basketball, using a basket as the ball. Like, you know, those those classic things. Let's, let's go a little bit weirder with, with the names. Um, cricket? I just don't even want to imagine how that would play. And honestly, I think the, I think the weirdest one so far, spike ball. <laughs> I think it might be just a little bit weird to play with a giant spike as, as the ball on a little bit of like a little mini trend. That, yeah, that, that's definitely the worst, that's definitely the worst one. Why is a cup of Joe called a cup of Joe? My theory about this is because Joe is such an average name and coffee is such an average like thing to do. And every average Joe drinks his average cup of Joe. He, like every, you always see the average person drinking the average cup of coffee. So is that why it's just the average Joe cup of Joe? Or as Mr. Ronia would say, Joe Schmo. So let's say there's a tow truck going down the road and it's towing a car. What if the driver somehow abandons the job? Because it can happen. And the tow truck gets towed with a car that's already being towed. And what if that tow truck already has a car? Do they need to call another tow truck? I'm confused. I think one day somebody, I would like to do this, bring like a thousand pieces of paper to school with everybody's yearbook picture, including the teachers, and get their signature. Because one day, at least one student, at least one, it has to be, is going to be famous someday. So if you have their signature with their yearbook picture from when they were in elementary school. There you go. That is instant riches for you. Yeah, very unrelated, but I thought it was interesting. Just wanted to share that with you. So that concludes Deep Thoughts. Yeah, you heard me. That's right. I'm gonna do my little quarter outro segue thing. Wait, no, wrong thing. Oh yeah, it's Deep Thoughts with Karst. That was pretty fun. Uh, now we're gonna talk about some other a natural phenomena thing that was made. Some man-made stuff, but I think these are very interesting. And you might be familiar with some of these. Right, right, right. Here's, this is, this is what I was looking at. I was watching, when I was talking about how Thursday, I was researching the Mayans. I found just a general YouTube mini documentary by this narrator that everybody in the comments didn't seem to like for some reason, um, about just natural, weird, ancient mysteries. And here's one called the, oh geez, an- an- Antikythera mechanism. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna spell it for you so you can look it up and have a reference picture again. A T A N T I, like anti K Y T H E R A mechanism. Um, it's a 2,000 year old computer, according to Vox, which is the website I'm looking at. And the article name is the Antikythera mechanism is 2,000 year old computer, published by Brian Resnick, uh, updated May 17, 2017, 12:90 p.m. ET. So there you go. We're gonna talk about it because 115 years ago, according to this article, divers found a hunk of bronze off of a Greek island. It changed our understanding of human history. So. Based on what I know, um, this is not mine, or this is just another mystery of the world. Basically, this thing is a giant, it's a, not giant, it's just a, a, an old computer, essentially. And they found this 115 years ago, I guess. That's amazing. So, I'm gonna read this to you. An, ar- an archaeologist was sifting through objects found in the wreck of a 2,000-year-old vessel off the Greek island Antikythera. So, I guess that's an island. That's why it's called the Antikythera. Um, so, yeah, again, a boat, a giant Greek vessel sank. And I'm not sure if this is the Romans or not, but I'm pretty sure the Greeks... The Greeks were very advanced, too. They shaped our de- democratic, like, everything. They kind of shaped how our democracy works. They had a wonderful democracy. Um, but yeah, they also had a very, very good, like, naval army, right? I feel like maybe that was the Romans, but, well, the Romans had had Roman fire. Is that Greek fire? The fire that, like, didn't burn in water, or didn't put out in water. Maybe that's a legend. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so they had a, I think, I'm pretty sure, I'm just gonna say it's the Greeks. They had a actually insane, like, naval army and these crazy vessels, but I mean, apparently one of them sank 2,000 years ago. Um, and okay, so yeah, among the wrecks, treasures, beautiful vases and pots, jewelry, oh, and jewelry, a bronze statue of an ancient philosopher was the most peculiar thing. A series of brass gears and dials mounted in the case of a mantle clock. So basically, this thing, it is incredibly art, like, art, whoa, 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 well, it's kind of art, honestly, but it's incredibly, like, algae. And there's, 
it's like very grown over. It looks pretty bad because, I mean, it's been in the water for 2,000 years, which, you know, does something to some, but like, it's kind of cool. It looks really cool. I'm looking at it right now. It's like a system of gears. You can see one main gear and then like, apparently there's other gears because it's so old, you can't really see it, but there were other gears. It's a system of gears called the Antikythera Mechanism. And just that in general, 2,000 years ago, they figured out how to make a gear system the size of a clock on a mantle. That's amazing. Uh, it is, yeah, it's, just, wow. I, I, I don't know. That's just, that's crazy. It's like a really advanced instrument that they made in Athens, like just 2,000 years ago. I don't understand how ancient civilizations were so incredibly advanced, like the Mayas, but you know what, whatever. How, how this happened? Good question. So we're going to read about what this is. At first glance, the piece of glass, uh, the piece of brass found near the uh, wreck looks like something you might find on a junkyard or hanging on the wall of a merry time themed dive bar. Okay. Uh, but I want to, I, I want to, I want to read about why this is, why the article is called the Antikythera Mechanism as 2000 year old computer, because you're like, well, computers don't exist in 2000 years ago. Uh, as a matter of fact, they probably aren't even a hundred years old. Well, if they found this a hundred, okay. Um, I'm sure there was a version of a, okay. Um, so <laughs> to archeologists, it was immediately apparent that the mechanism was some sort of clock. Obviously that's kind of how clock works. Looks like a gear system thing and it moves according to, well, we'll see. Uh, or a calendar or calculating device. Interesting. 2000 years ago. That's very good. But I mean, Greek philosophy, uh, and Roman philosophy was like kind of crazy. They were like really weird mathematicians and they were thinkers, which I'm not kidding is an actual term. It was, it was in my social studies textbook. They were thinkers, kind of like Aristotle or other people that I can't really think of right now. Um, but I think it's like their logic was pretty stupid. <laughs> if I'm being honest, but I mean, 2000 years ago. So cut them some slack, Karsten. Cut them some slack, Karsten. Jeez, pal. But I think uh, my favorite example is like, this isn't like confirmed or official at all. I just completely made this up, but it kind of like summarizes what their logic was like. It's like, well, birds have feet and so do humans. So the reason birds fly is not their feet, Um, obviously, but like, that's just kind of what they would do. It's like that. So let's see what happened in 1959. In 1959, Princeton, ah, that's in Jersey. New Jersey's great for so many reasons. In 1959, Princeton science historian, Derek, J. DeSoya Prince Price. Wow, I read that wrong. Uh, historian. Okay. Derek J. DeSoya Price provided the most thorough scientific analysis of the contraption to date. Interesting. What was his analysis? I would like to know. Okay. So this mechanism was used to predict the position of the planets and stars in the sky, depending on a calendar month. So a main gear would move to represent the calendar year and would in turn move many separate smaller gears to represent the motions of the planet, sun, and moon. Okay. All right. Okay. Really? Really? Are you, you're, are you kidding? 2000 years ago. You're telling 2000 2000 that's a that's 200 times 100 wait a minute nope no it's not <laughs> that is 20 times no wait yeah yeah that's 20 times 100 years ago so 100 years ago was 1900 20 times that it's like barely any ad something i don't know but that's crazy though and this kind of reminds me of the mayan stuff like how they made a calendar system that that long ago and apparently athens made their calendar system that honestly it seems to be accurate to what we do these days like how it represents you know things like the moon and the stars and and the sun like how 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 you know what i want to know how in the world did that work because i don't think it really says it says a price declared in the pages of scientific american oh i guess that's a magazine that it was a computer the mechanism is like a great astronomical clock or a modern analog computer which uses mechanical parts to solve tedious calculation okay how i'm not countering this guy's opinion in any way but i'm genuinely curious how they physically worked that thing if they made a clock like that how how did they do it like yeah i get it 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 turns in the motions of the sun, planets, and moon, and stars. How? how? Like, how did they, how did that, how is that program? It's a gear. How did they program that? Does that work? They didn't have program back then. Maybe I'm stupid, and maybe it's obvious, but, like, that's amazing. I can't think of it, and I live in 2021. I was born in 2009. They were born probably in, like, I don't know, 14 AD, something like that. That's just insane to me. Or maybe even, like, imagine, okay, if this is 2,000 years ago, 2,000 something years old, that could be as early as, or, uh, yes, as early as, like, 21 AD, and maybe, I don't know, a 60-year-old philosopher made this, so that means he was literally born in like, I don't know, like 40 BC <laughs> or something like that. That's just insane. That just that old? How? How is that working? How, how, how did a philosopher, the thinkers that had really weird logic come up with a physical clock accurate enough to portray the movement of the stars? That's too much for me. I can't even comprehend that. So, all right. Since Price's assessment, modern x-ray and 3D mapping technology have allowed scientists to peer deeper into the remains of the mechanism and learn even more of its secrets. In the 2000s, research just revealed text, a kind of instruction manual. Are you kidding? No shot. There was an instruction manual on this. Well, 
what is this? How? It's amazing. This bother this is mind boggling to my head. Um, inscribed on parts of the mechanism that had never been seen before. The text written in tiny typeface but legible ancient Greek helped them complete the puzzle of what the machine did and how it was operated. In all, it's astounding. I completely agree. It's completely astounding. It's intriguing. It's beauteous. And it's, um, hmm, use the word impeccable. I'm gonna use it again. And it's impeccable as well as astounding. That's an understatement. That's amazing. How did they do that? Are you you're seriously telling me they did that? They did that 2,000 years ago? How? What? Fine. Fine, Greek philosophers in 4 BC. How, how, how? You know what? I respect them. That's amazing. That's actually amazing. <laughs> Alright, so, the mechanism had several dials and clock faces, each which served a different function for the measuring movements of the sun, moon, stars, and planets. Okay, how? That's- I know I'm saying this, but I'm seriously confused. You're telling me that they act- this is an actual real thing. They, there is- this is an actual 2000, 2000 year old quote-unquote computer from Athens? From Greece? From ancient Greece? You know, the thing that completely got destroyed and is barely intact anywhere? Yet that? That actually happened? The Greek thinkers who figured out that, like, atoms existed? made that 2,000 years ago. That's amazing. That's incredible. Speaking of, how did they figure out atoms existed? Who, who, who looked at the ground and be like, what if that was just billions of particles in one place, but not even particles smaller than so? I want to know. I want to meet that guy. I bet his name is like, I don't know, something like Aristotle. <laughs> it's something famous, though. I, I, we literally learned about this last year. I just, I don't know why I'm not remembering. Uh, they were all operated by one main crank. So you cranked it. Oh, hmm. little stone or glass orbs that would have been moved across the machine's face to show the motion of Mercury, Venus, Mars, Saturn, and Jupiter in the night sky. L listen, listen to me. Right. How 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 did they um how did they exactly know uh, um where the planets were? They didn't really have telescopes. This was two thousand years ago. So so how did so how did they exactly know about Venus and Mercury and Mars and Saturn and Jupiter? I know it's probably obvious again, but I, but physically how how does that work? How did they know that? Hmm? How how whatever? They're too advanced. They're more advanced than I am. They're more advanced than like our civilization. They're more than advanced than most of our civilization. Well, not really. Just they had more knowledge than a lot of people can comprehend. Still, <laughs> the position of this. Okay, so uh, it measured that. It measured the position of the sun and moon relative to the twelve constellations of the zodiac. Uh, and there was another dial forecasting solar and lunar eclipses and. And oddly, predictions about their color. Huh. Researchers guessed that different colors eclipses were considered omens of the future. Huh. Wow. Omens of the future. Oh, well, I guess they were also polytheistic and thought of a lot of gods and weird legends, so I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. Um, a solar calendar charting the 365 days of the year. I'm assuming that evolved from the Mayas because I mean they're original. Looks a lunar calendar, uh, counting a 19-year lunar cycle. Huh, something I didn't know about that. And a tiny pearl-sized ball that rotated to show you the phase of the moon. Okay, that's incredible. That's insane. Imagine that. That's actually so sick. Like, today, I want that. I want that, like, on my desk to show the position of the moon, uh, what phase it's in, where the planets are. And they made that 2,000 years ago? Can they even make that today? Can they? Because I want it. They can. Now, tell me where it is. I, I seriously want that. Before we move on to the last thing, I just want to I just want to bring a point to you. Are we sure that's what that was? And it wasn't just oh I don't know experimentation with gears or oh I don't know a clock because they probably had that. I mean, if they had this, they probably had a clock. What if it was just that? Hmm? What if we just put all this information to a giant astronomical array of beautiful and incredibly advanced things that seem a little unrealistic for that time, two thousand years ago, if that's what it is, from a shipwreck that is still somehow uh, legible um, with Greek writing on the back. You never, you know, could it just at a clock. Do they really know? There was a pearl-sized ball that exactly showed the phase of the moon. Did, did we, did we, is that confirmed? Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm weird. I don't know. Whatever. Next, last thing. It's called, um, Stonehenge. And you've probably heard of it. You haven't? Then you're lying. Everybody has. Now look it up on your computer or whatever the heck you have. Look it up on your phone. Trust me. Do it. Just do it. If you're listening to me on the background, get your phone and look it up. You want to. Trust me. Uh, again, you can have a reference picture. Just look at this thing. It, clearly, it's a very strange looking circle with a bunch of tall stones. Um, and some of them are connected at the top, some of them are individual, uh, and according to, I don't know, probably like in the philosophers or scientists or astronomers, it is, can resemble a clock, possibly, or some sort of astronomical thing, kind of like, um, a solar position thing, kind of like the antique era, uh, mechanism we just looked at. It could be a giant version of that. Now, I want you to look at, there's this picture here I'm looking at right now, which is people next to it, like tourists, um, and these rocks, like, individual rocks, are as much as, like, seven times taller than people, or, like, four, or, like, 
five or six times taller. And and to think that prehistoric people put that up and stood it somehow, like physically balanced. Oh, I don't know. 20, ta- 20 ton giant boulders that they shaped into these perfect squares that could resemble, some- could resemble something very advanced. How is that possible? And who in their right mind imagined this in their head? Because I want to meet them and I want to understand what brought them to this conclusion. It's fine. So, um, again, what? How did they put that up? Like, what? What in the world is that? How did they do that? It's extremely heavy. Like, that's incredible. And I was talking about before the Mayan temple stuff were heavy. So it was like the Pyramid of Giza, like the individual bricks on the pyramids in Giza, all the pyramids, everything, all the tomb built pyramid things. Those are so insanely heavy. I don't think you understand. They're like very heavy, like tons. And they, it's like sandstone. Like they like dug it out, they quarried it, and then put it on a pyramid. Uh, and they built it in in a way that literally worked. It balanced. It, it was a giant, giant triangle. That's huge. Um, how? Good question. They literally had people pick it up and and walk it. How long did that take? Hmm? How long did that take? There's no way. No, I really don't know though. That's that's amazing to me. Like the fact that they actually did that and they're actually intact and you can actually see them physically amazes me. How in the how in the world they actually do that? Like how heavy they are, how giant they were. Like oh no, that's too much about. They must take like hundreds of years. Like throughout many like dynasties of pharaohs, they just continue to like oh well yeah the pharaoh died 400 years ago but we got to continue his tomb. Well he's probably disintegrated by now. He's part of the heir at this point. Like uh, how how do they build this? How how do they build Stonehenge. Um, the last, the last two things I want to say about Stonehenge is the fact that these stones were not native, apparently, to the area. So, again, did they transport them? Was it built by aliens? Because I'm starting to think so. Uh, also, it looks very broken, so, like, was it eventually a whole circle at one point or something? Because, like, that's what people are saying. It was, event- it was, like, at one point, a big, actual, connected circle. Because from the top, it's, like, broken and worn down. It's not connected, and it's really random. Maybe desperately random. Maybe it's so random. Maybe it's so not random that it was supposed to look like it was random by the aliens. Make it look like humans did I don't know. But like this if the stones weren't native, then that's just a whole different ballpark. That's amazing. How old is Stonehenge? I wanna I'm a, Oh, no way. No way. You ready for this one? No. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I no way. Stonehenge is perhaps the world's most famous prehistoric prehistoric monument. It was built in several stages. The first monument was an early henge monument, about built about five thousand years ago. And the unique stone circle was built in the late Neolithic period, about two thousand five hundred BC. Um, did you hear that? Yep, 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 yep. It was already a thousand years old when the pyramids were built. I'm just gonna leave it at that. I'm just gonna leave you to think about that. That's amazing. You're telling me 5,000 years ago they put that up. They stood that there. It's not natural. That's not natural. That was not there. The world did not spawn with rocks like that. Perfectly even on the outside, all looking alike and connected at certain... No, no, didn't happen. You can't tell me it did. I will not believe you. And the fact that the rocks are so heavy, the fact that they're not native to the air... No, no, no. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. So right there, I'm going to leave you to think about that and not be able to sleep for the rest of your life. Goodbye. Sorry about the clicking. Peace. Um, on the topic of Stonehenge, I literally, when I was researching and brainstorming for this podcast, um, I'm not kidding. I, I really wanted to, to make this, to tell a story. I just like literally was the only thing I was thinking about. Uh, and of course I forgot because yeah, it's just something I do. Um, but I'm going to tell it now. And this is after the fact. I just finished the episode. I'm just going to insert this because if you're familiar with Stonehenge clocks, which some of you may be um, out there watching, oh, uh, maybe my friend group. I don't know. Um, I'm just going to tell you a little story. I went to town, not our town, a different town with my friends once. And I don't know why the conversation started, but we were talking about clocks. And I feel like I've mentioned a lot of clocks in this episode. I don't know the, the, the thing like the antique thera mechanism, Stonehenge that could be a clock like the astronomical calendar clock system that the Mayans made. So we went to a different town with our friend group. And in the center of this town, they had a really beautiful clock. Like, honestly, it is really nice. It's a cool, like, a mini tiny clock. Very, well, not really mini tiny. It's like a very, very small Big Ben. Like, but like, probably scaled down a thousand times. It's just a, it's like a big standing clock. Um, kind of looks like a big lamppost, but it's like nice. It's cool and it's rectangular. So about a thousand times smaller than the Big Ben. Uh, but it's super sick. And it's just really nice. And I was just joking around. I'm like, oh, that's the eucalyptus E47 clock. 
uh i don't know why eucalyptus came to mind but it did so then my friends are playing along like yes 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 i love that one have you heard of the eucalyptus e99 i'm like oh what a model what a model of course of course and then we kept going on making new making new things uh, a whole storyline we probably did it for oh probably about three hours um we made ryzen clocks um they started they it was this guy named dan he started with his company he was getting really big in the clock industry um we had shoot i don't know right right right. we had um let's see we had yeah eucalyptus i said that we have brawlers owner john brawler um they started releasing digital clocks and it kind of all went by their first letter so be like eucalyptus e90 um brawler b70 ryzen r1 like things like that there was Dysenhower by dan eisenhower and you know dan and eisenhower Dysenhower Dysenhower clocks uh well the the brand name was Dysenhower clock making company uh co dot co um, and they, uh, fell from the industry because their clocks were not selling well. They're really dated. They don't have variety or diversity. Nobody liked them. There's a Quora clock. Uh, the owner is a Quora Brown. Um, and her company was removed from the industry 10 years ago because of a massive failure in the, a- in the AA33 grandfather clock. Um, it caused a massive fire that burned down a historic monument. Everybody was sad about it. Um, Darnell Eisenhower, who is now the current owner, or was the current owner of Eisenhower because Dan Eisenhower died, um... He was so mad at the other clock companies uh, that he wanted to ruin them forever. So he like burnt down part of the Big Ben. Yeah, a lot of stuff happened. Um, But the main thing I wanted to tell you guys about was the stonehenge clock company i made (laughs) because we were making these companies and i decided like we were just kind of playing around making really weird names for clock companies at at this day in town and we were sitting down at a diner eating food and i'm like oh yes i'm actually uh i actually just heard about the new stonehenge clock company and i don't know why stonehenge came to mind i don't even think i was thinking about the monument that we were just talking about a few minutes ago um but now in hindsight i might be the most genius thing i've ever said in my life so the story went on i eventually uh they eventually the owner of the stonehenge died so they wanted to give it to a random follower of their blog and i was a follower of their blog so they called me and i accepted and i owned stonehenge for years until i committed massive tax fraud this didn't actually happen by the way i'm 12 but uh in this world that we made of the clock enthusiast group chat i owned a clock company called stonehenge didn't think about the monument but you want to know why that's absolutely genius you want to know because guess what stonehenge is believed to be a clock kind of it's believed to show it's believed to portray like astronomical things or time or something they don't know what stonehenge is like the actual monument thing that we were just talking about but people think it's a clock so i didn't know that but when i said stonehenge clocks apparently that's absolutely genius and it was meant to happen because stonehenge could have been a clock and stonehenge clocks just work so well and it literally came off the top of my head the first word i could think of i wanted it to be an s because s like s clock sounds good like stonehenge s71 something like that but i think that's just actually great (laughs) i thought it was so funny and i just thought about that the other day another funny thing is i actually have a uh, Google, uh, you can get an alt, alt number on Google Voice, I think it's called, Google Voice, yeah, Google Voice, you can get an alt number, just, like, for things, and I literally had, uh, my clock company have a number, and, like, all my friends would just call me and make up stupid situations, and I had, like, a whole list of employees, really funny, and I also had a, there was a Harrison, who was the therapist of Stonehenge clocks, I don't know why we had a therapist, but just in case, you know, the clocks, like, lit on fire or murdered somebody, like, you just, you wanted to talk to the therapist, you'd call I'd be like, can I talk to Harrison? He'd be like, of course, of course. Just do that. So, um, let me see if I can find, yeah, here. Here are all the employees. We have Finn. He is the, uh, he is the uh, secretary. We have me. I'm the CEO. We have Randy. He's one of, what is Randy? Oh, he's customer service. We have Constantine, who's the other customer service. Harrison, he's the therapist. Jared is a salesman. Davidson, what, what, what does he do? Oh, he's the assistant to the me, to the CEO. We have Cletus. He works at the store. He works at the chain of Stonehenge stores the main one the uh in, in in new york city he works there martin also works in the store and kind of helps out in the back if someone called and they're like looking for a specific model in the back he's he's the guy gordon is the clock executive guy he knows all of information he's a clock enthusiast entrepreneur and he is a connoisseur and he knows everything about it uh so if you need some information he'll help you if he needs to, if you need to solve any problems with your stonehenge clock 
call him and we have Tra- travis our graphic designer who makes a lot of great things for our company oh uh, yeah one of the weirdest things i've ever done in my entire life but super funny i just want to tell you about that how stonehenge is the most genius thing ever also we were talking about a lot of clocks and i think in a thousand years if that's the only information of our civilization left behind that'll be the greatest mystery and maybe someone like me will end up making a podcast about it so all right see ya i'm gonna go make an egg now 